And welcome back again to the Church of Heavy Metal that is Thunderdome Metal Reviews. I am Ben Lindsay, and with me are Tracy and David. How are the two of you doing tonight? Doing it's a dark, windy night, but I'm ready to talk about Trivium a whole, whole lot. A lot and of Trivium. A lot of Trivium, indeed. This is going to be a discography blast. Our number, I don't remember. Seven? Six or seven, something like that. We but, Danzig was the first one, right? Like our first official? C. So then this will be our seventh, then. All right, keeper of the records. It's also I mean, your pick. It really depends yeah, on we're talking about the canonical discography blasts or the apocrypha discography blasts or the because right. we, we got those two Slayer ones kind of floating in the ether there. That and the Max Blast. That's yeah. sort of a Slayer double barrel blast. It yeah, just, it's somewhere there. They can argue with it over time. Yeah, the, future historians <laughs> will debate this, but for now we'll go. It will be a very Star Trek. It'd be a very Star Trek. What's the first actual episode moment? Yeah. yeah sure. only, only nerds would geek out over it, and everybody else like, "Who gives a shit?" Indeed. Uh, so yes, trivium, my pick. Why? Why was it your pick, Tracy? Uh, trivium and you. Trivium so in I your hit, emotional life. So I hit you guys with the other major band, Scar Symmetry, that formed probably my fifty to seventy-five percent of my listening from the age of eighteen to. 23, 24, somewhere right there. Like these guys and Scar Symmetry combined are good 50% of my music listening at that time. Like I wouldn't even question that. So I felt like, oh, I thought it was really anybody to shape my adult years. It'd be these guys and Scar Symmetry. So if I got hit you guys with these two first and go from there. And I had a very hate relationship with Trivium early on when I'm like my teenager's years. Huh. It, wasn't in, it wasn't until, God, I think it's, 2007, I was in Fort Irwin, California, packing to leave. And I had my MP3 player at the time on random. And uh, Pull Harder's on the, no, A Gunshot to the Head of Trepidation came up on it. Because I got it, it was on the uh, Headbangers Ball 2 sure. album. And it came up on it. I was like, okay. I just kind of let it play through and it hit the clean thing. I was like, well, I didn't expect this. Because I never could get past like the, the guitar part. And it was awesome. Then it screamed. I was always like, Ugh. so I just skipped it after that point. So I got to the clean thing and it's like, huh, okay. So I listened to it a couple more times. And then I just dove deep into Trivium's, at the time, two albums they had out. And then I've just kind of been every year on release. I'm like, all righty, time for the next one kind of deal. So. And why did you choose the specific albums that you chose? I chose these because, one, I wanted to probably, what I think are their better albums, because they do have a couple of sneakers in there. And I also wanted to pick... <laughs> kind of a broader swath because they've had a very spinal tap-esque issue with their drummers since they've passed their third one and yeah, i kind of sure. wanted to show the difference in the style there and also they changed their style quite a bit throughout their albums i don't know if you guys went back into their other albums in their catalog but a little bit and i've listened to the 2021 i actually started like a like an asshole i actually started with the 2021 yeah just because, oh, a new Trivium. <laughs> so I just listened to it and then went back, went back in time. Uh, I agree. I listened to a little bit of the Crusade. I understand why people think it's not good. <laughs> the one that they rushed out between Ascendancy and Shogun. I mean, I get it. They wanted to pull Metallica and bam, another album. It just didn't really work out so good. That one's actually probably my favorite one. Not Is too, it? Uh, the Crusade? Too yeah. Uh, and mainly because it's an incredibly derivative album. I mean, it's... They steal so many riffs or a tribute, let's say, repurpose so many riffs instead of blatantly steal that it just reminded me of like Slayer and Metallica sure. and Megadeth. And I was like, cool, that sounds awesome. So, yeah. And so, like, we start with it. I was like, oh, what else to talk about them? But, eh. Nah, we'll, we'll just jump into it, talking about the albums, man. That's really what can we're I, for. I, can I ask him one last question? What do you yeah. like about Trivium? And this is not to put you on the defensive. I'm just curious. Like I've I've told people how I feel about Slayer emotion on the show, <laughs> so, or Fear Factory. I'm just curious, like what, uh, what, uh, why, why was it so much a part of your repertoire? I think what really sunk their calls and why it took me here in the cleansing aspect of it for me to really kind of like, oh okay, because at that time I was looking for kind of like that dichotomy of like the screaming sure. or the clean singing. I didn't want fully one or the other, and Matt Hafey's voice he does it back and forth quite a bit. He does. And as you can tell from these albums. And so I think that's what really was the original hook. And it's just been, I guess you say, in 
the late 2000s, early 2000, uh, 2010s, like I was heavy into that. I guess you can say that the class size part of the new wave of American metal that like everything past Pantera gets clumped into. But yeah, like, you know. That particularly what I'm talking about is like the kill switch engage, all that remains, God forbid, unearth like these bands that the metalcore they kind of like we were influenced by Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, but also Pantera and like also God, emo. yeah, emo and you know, <laughs> oh, like that, yeah. that uh early 2000s emo, and then also we've got a bit of like the new wave British heavy metal, like rolled into there as well, and so you're kind of getting this. Now, interesting, what I consider probably this interesting feedback loop where you have these multiple things are starting to like, genres are starting to kind of really combine into multiple different aspects of music under one band, really. And which that, that is just pointing out towards trivia, but like towards all those bands where you have these multiple influences are kind of being rolled into one that are oftentimes like contrasting. I mean, I listen to Mr. Bungle willingly. So, I mean, I just bring it on. <laughs> like in terms of sticking stuff together, this isn't nearly as Frankenstein's monster as some of what we've listened to in, in this. So, um, not at yeah, all. yeah, well, no, I guess we'll get into it when we start comparing the albums, their trajectory. I mean, they don't have Paradise Lost long, but I think they're in that neighborhood in terms of how many different things they've tried, especially yeah. if you throw in that th album from 13 with only clean singing. Anyway, yeah, I will say with. After Post Ascendancy and Post Vengeance Falls, Matt Hafey did blow his voice out both times, and so that's when they did the full-on clean singing parts of it. Ugh. Yeah, like, I know Vengeance Falls, like, he fucked it up pretty bad. Yikes. Just on tour? Yeah. Shit, dude. So, I mean, that's part of their, I think, their voice vocal changes. I mean, you've got to. Tom Araya did not sound the same when he was 50. No. no, versus when he was 20. It's just not a thing you can do or should Well, do. I mean, you know, even James Hetfield eventually had to get yeah. vocal lessons. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not like he was doing fry vocals either. It's just he was going yeah. out there and screaming as hard as he could every night. And uh, to, to be able to still do it at this day and age, he had to eventually get vocal lessons. So, yeah, I mean, really, unless your name's Ryan James Dio, you just can't go out there and wing it. Well, I mean, I don't think he winged it either. I think he was a trained vocalist. Well, I remember this could previous episode flashback to that. I remember reading it some or hearing some interview where they said that his warm up pre concert for Dio every time was smoke a joint and drink a beer, and right. just walk out there and go. Yeah, some beats can do that, but but yeah, we're not talking about Dio tonight. <laughs> well, we are not. Ascendancy is the second studio album by Tribium, released on March fifteenth of two thousand and five. Recorded in Audio Hammer Studios in Sanford, Florida, and the infamous Moore Sound Studios in Tampa, Florida. As a runtime of 55 minutes and 11 seconds came out on Roadrunner, was produced by Jason Sukoff and Matt Heafy. The band on the recording is Matt Heafy, lead vocals, guitars, Corey uh, Bellu on guitars and backing vocals, Paulo Grigoletto on bass and backing vocals, Travis Smith on drums and percussion. There are some additional personnel. They bring in Chad Sunderland and, and Giz Butt to do some gang vocals and have Andy Sneed, Jeff Weed, and some other people in the production personnel. So, what did you gentlemen think about it? This was the only one I'd heard anything off of because of the really not very good and yet still entertaining film Smoke and Aces. So that had like light to the flies, which having not seen that movie in that movie in forever, I still recognize the song when it came on. Um, you know, I'd heard a little bit of this. I think I sort of reacted to it when I first heard it the same way I reacted to Kill Switch Engage. I was like, eh, okay, there's some emo happening. It's a little metalcore-y. Metalcore just didn't hook me. I don't know if it was an age thing or I just, who who knows why one likes what one likes. Yeah. So I had written them off, not in disgust, just with disinterest. So this was by far the most systematic time I'd given to this band. And I can see why this album, now that I actually have a much higher tolerance for metalcore because of other things Tracy has done to us emotionally, uh, I, I get it now. I see it. I can see why this was one of the, what I guess with hindsight, we'd say one of these classic, I know you hate how big the basket is, but this new American metal, one of the sort of classic 2000s emo, I mean, are sort of metalcore monsters that dominated the scene for a long time. Uh, especially, they were also pretty young here. I know they were babies when they did the album before this. So, um, 
think they were 16 and 17 with Inverness. Yeah, totally, dude. They must only be what 18 on this one. Anyway, they're yeah. very they're very young, and to have put this out is pretty impressive. I'm just rambling now. Someone save me. Well, he's Matt Heafy is 34 now. Yeah. So I mean, he would I mean subtract 15 from that. That would have made him what 19. Shit, dude. Yeah, that. So they were quite young here to make us this, you know, there's a fair amount of layering and sophistication to this album. Um, this, like David, I, I also am one of the five people who enjoyed Smoking Aces. Um, and and it's, as is often the case, you can kind of layer our reviews on top of each other. Because I also didn't get into the metalcore thing. For me, metalcore was people who were too insecure to say that they like Screamo. Um, and that's kind of how I felt about this band. And... But around this time, and I will have to say that the guitar playing on this is very good. This is one of the one of the bands out of this early genre, this new American metal basket that Guitar World picks up on. And I used to read Guitar World a lot. And so they really started pushing tribute for obvious reasons, because these dudes can play their asses off. They really can. I mean, I don't they were young, but holy shit, do they crank it out on this album? And I would argue even more the next one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more after this. I don't know if they were necessarily started getting cover shots on this album, but they started paying attention to Shogun by that point. Uh, yeah, about Crusade, even they were getting a whole lot by Crusade. Um, which I don't remember the chronology of that. Shogun might have came out before Crusade, I don't remember. Crusade um, came out second. Yeah, okay. it's not good. And then Shogun is 08. They're pretty fast on each other's heels, though. It's like five, six, eight. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this also has the the thing that kind of drove me crazy a little bit uh, as an old dude about like Kill Switch and, and all those other bands. It's just the really intricate, kind of dumb song titles, like a gunshot to the head of trepidation and <laughs> all the strings of your martyr. And it's like, come on, guys. What the fuck? So, so you're not a fan of those whose death metal bands have like a paragraph long name for their song? <laughs> not really. <laughs> I feel like the death metal dudes are doing more with it than Trivium and Killswitch were, but okay. That, that's a really minor nitpick that I'm not really going to say anything about. But yeah, the the I was really surprised um, how much he relied on the vocal fry on this album as a whole, especially in comparison to some of the later stuff, which you were what you said about him blowing his voice out kind of makes sense. And I can kind of see why he would want to change that. But I didn't really think he had that good of a, a, a death metal growl anyway. I really just did like the clean singing more. Yeah. And I will say about his fry vocals, like he has some of the weirdest, I guess you say, enunciation when he sings his fry vocals. That took me forever to kind of get the cadence that he sung them in for me to really understand his lyrics while singing. He also uses a lot of old school words. Yeah. For whatever reason, gets gets out of the source, goes back to the 19th century. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll bring this up and show again when I what it reminded me of when I pre, when I was re-listening to it for a thousandth time in my life. But uh, so his his fry vocals, I noticed like it seems like in this album of ascendancy, his queen singing was more used towards the chorus, and his fry vocals are more used for everything else. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or not. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think that's, I mean, that's kind of soil work too. A lot of those bands that do that. Yeah. That's one of the ways you can do that. Yeah, for sure. I will say that their guitar work really, like even before I started liking these guys, every time I heard Trivium, just especially off the Ascendancy, it was always the guitar work that really kind of hooked me and brought it in. Because I mean, they they come in fast and heavy, it feels like for the album and then I never get past the singing part. It's like, okay, next. Well, see, yeah. I mean, that's the guy who turned me on to Trivium. That's what he sold the band to me as, as was, this is a guitar band. You're really going to like the guitar playing on it. And he, yeah, I did, I do, you know? So he was right about that. Shout out to you, John Eric, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, these guys, oh, I'm in this weird spot where it's like, hmm, I've liked these guys for so long. It's like trying to say water's wet in a weird <laughs> sense. <laughs> But I mean, these guys, for me, at the time when I found these guys, they were also kind of like that perfect. I mean, we're, I'm only two years younger than he is, and the other guys in the band. So it's like, it's that perfect mixture of like just enough adultness, but also with the teenager, teenager angst in you still when you're like the first run of time through college when you do nothing but drink yourself out. And it's like, oh shit, shoulda, shouldn't have done that. You know, it's just kind of just enough of the teenager angst to go along with that. And like, it has that just enough heaviness that you're like, I'm going to play it in the car where you're like, you play at the car full sound, 
and everybody knows it's heavy, but it's not enough to be obnoxious in a sense. Like you're not trying to like, like I'm playing Cannibal Corpse to offend people. It's the you're not quite hitting that level of it. Yeah, I think I may have had a, that teen angst was I think what turned me off to this genre. Just I think it was partially an age thing. I was like, eh, I'm just not feeling this emo core situation. Um, but I appreciate I, it more now. And you know, there was bands like Soil Work, and if we're being honest, Fear Factory in its own way that did some of these same things that I really did like. Um, yeah, I just with the bands like this are asking Alexandria or Kill Switch Engaged back then, like 15 years ago when I heard them, I was like, eh, this sounds whiny to me. Like when they would switch over. So um Yeah. But, but I appreciate it more now. So and which that's interesting also is because now like I've gone back and heard like Alex and Alexandra now, I can't stand them. I'm just like, yeah, no. Cause they, I feel like, you know, and Trivian's later work, they get more complex while Alex and Alexandra went more to the base of the thing. Kind of like, let's see what we can, let's see how we can sell albums to teenage girls. Yeah. Well, I feel like Trivium kind of went in the opposite direction. Like, all right, we're. Let's see how we can sell albums to teenage boys. <laughs> Not yeah, quite yeah, that. Uh, teenage boys that turn into uh 20 year old men. Uh, like I said, I mean, I honestly, this era, if you put this album and My Dying Bride, uh, not My Dying Bride, My Chemical Romance and uh, Avenged Sevenfold, I would probably pick My Chemical Romance to listen to because they were at least theatrical. But anyway, that's that's not the review we're doing. Yeah. Well, and I will say in my early years was to him, I didn't pick up on any of the emo core or sure. any of the, like my chemical romance stuff, but now it's like, huh, I'm seeing it a lot of that in this album that I didn't previously pick up, and I guess it's just oh, gosh, yeah. I'm sure. having a much broader examination of it and just gotten older. And I'm like, noticing yeah. <clears throat> things now. It's like, huh, didn't realize that in the beginning, like they're not quite Tracy, full on there, but you know how to smell fear now, so you, know, <laughs> you, smell, you smell blood in the water, and you're like, yep, these punk bitches are afraid. Indeed. Which they should be. They're 19. Yeah. <laughs> when they made this album, like, it's, yeah, it's a lot better than the album I made when I was 19. That's the difference. <laughs> How do you feel about their last tracks being so long, Ben? Every time I see a long track, I think of you being sad. It uh, but, even more. It's like 11 minutes, I think. It actually didn't bother me. That's good. On this. I mean, you know, they don't have, or maybe they did, and I'm just not picking up on it, but I don't feel that they have the delusions of grandeur that some of these fans have when they like decide that they're going to write an eight minute song and put no i don't different I think florida scorched that out of them yeah <laughs> that kind of an elevated existence we've had a lot of florida on this show lately we have had a lot of florida on the show and honestly i mean yeah the last track is seven minutes long but most of the tracks are between four and five with a couple yeah. of ones on five approaching six so it didn't really stick out either that's good yeah i will listen to some of this again just like I, Scar Symmetry, I actually like a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, mm -hmm. No, this is, it's pretty good, man. So I've gotten over this. I, I'm not as anti uh, metalcore now as I was then. I feel you. And which I, I will say, like, I really enjoyed this album with going through it again, but I did have that moment where it's like, if I was to hear this for the first time now, would it have as much meaning or would it stick out to me as much as it would? And I had the realization, like, I don't know if it would. Probably like, not. The personal nostalgia <laughs> attached to it, yes. But without that, and this is my first lesson, I'd probably want to say, like, mm, not bad. I'll probably listen to it again to see how it really settles after a while. But I don't know for sure if I'm like, I'm coming back to it forever yeah. kind of deal. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I kind of like, I mean, not to already rank them. For me personally, I know this on rankings usually is ranked as the top one, but I kind of like Shogun and even Sin in the Sentence better. Sin in the Sentence, well, well, I don't know. We're jumping around a little bit. It's <laughs> very different from this. It is. And I can yeah, see how Trivium Classic fans would be really horrified by that album. And I think Tracy doesn't like that album, but I think that album's good. Um, anyway, we're well, going to be talking about that Yeah, let's talk about what songs we do like on this one. Yeah. Before so, Tracy says all of them, I'll, I'll go yeah, all the line out there. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah. let's see, I'm looking at the list of stuff I added. Like Light to the Flies, that was the first one I heard. Uh, I like Drown and Torn Asunder, Ascendancy, and Suffocating Sight. I'm sorry, those are out of order. I like Tracy, I listen to albums just while I'm doing other stuff, and I add them to a playlist, and they get on there when they get on there. So those, those are the songs I like, in no particular order. I actually like the opening instrumental. I feel that that's worth pointing out, since I'm really 
quite critical okay. of instrumentals. Um, My man hates this. Right? A curmudgeon. Yeah. <laughs> so the end of everything, uh, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Rain has its moments. As much as I made fun of the name, I do like a gunshot to the head of trepidation. Uh, I like David, I like a light to the flies, uh, probably because of the association to the soundtrack. Uh, suffocating sight. Yeah. Those are those are the, the ones that kind of stood out to me. For me, all of the above, but really, I really enjoy the end of everything into rain, that introduction there, because it feels like you had just this, I think that introduction just kind of really shifts well into rain. But for all the songs on here, I really like. Um, Trivium does also put, like, I guess you can say one ballad song, it seems like, on all their albums. I mean, everybody needs to have a uh, power ballad on their album. Yeah. And I think on this one, it's dying in your arms. And that's probably actually my least favorite song on the album. So for Slayer, is that mandatory suicide? Is that the, with that's that dead rom- skin mask? The romantic <laughs> sort of monologue of him at the end there. But you know, you're right. Anybody that got even remotely into hair metal territory had mm-hmm. at least one power ballad at the ready. Yeah. I mean, shit. Dude. Up, y'all. We can't really lay it on Slayer, but you could lay that a little bit on Pantera. Oh my God, yes. Metallica for damn sure. Mm-hmm. But Megadeth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually surprised now that you guys mentioned The Deceived, because that's always typically the one that a lot of people pull from this album as their favorite track. Oh. Huh. Nah. I mean, it was all right, but there's no bad songs on this album, but I I have no trivium cultural experience at all. I'm like an alien that just found trivium. So oh, well, <laughs> I'm just going to give it to you straight. You're like an alien that was given an anal probe of trivium. Get it right. <laughs> anal, a trivium probe. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have been out at night. So next we move on to Shogun, their fourth studio album, released on September 23rd or October 1st, 2008 through Roadrunner Records, depending on where you're at worldwide. Uh, It is the last album that will feature their drummer, Travis Smith, who I don't think was the drummer on the last album, or the last album we reviewed anyway. It was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee, produced by Nick Raskolinik's for Roadrunner, and I probably fucked up your last name, Nick, and I apologize. The band, again, Matt Heafy, Cord Bellalou, Paulo Grigolato, and Travis Smith on drums and percussion. No guest artists on this one. So this is their, I feel like this is their third album because Inverted Inferno was more their demo album. I think I picked up and re-released as a major studio album. In, in the Tracy Personal Record books, I guess it can be their third album. It is in my record books that way. <laughs> but so what did you guys think? I thought that this one, they had kind of stepped a, pretty far away from the metalcore stuff and were almost tickling the prog taint a little bit. Tiny bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can see it, that. This is also, in my opinion, the most Metallica-y of, these al- of the albums. Uh, yeah, I would say that too. Other than Crusade, which again, there's a reason. Yeah, I don't that. know that one super well, but this one is Metallica esque as fuck. Yep, yep, I I agree with that. You can see that in the length of the tracks, even because they've upped the game a little bit. Instead of having like four minutes and five minute songs with a couple that are longer, almost everything on here is over five minutes. Uh, well, maybe a third of the album is just over four, but everything else is over five minutes. Um, there's also kind of a throwback to they kind of have they have abandoned a little bit the pretentious song titling, but not entirely. There's still uh, two or three on here that are that way, but they're also making allusions to Greek mythology and stuff okay. like that. So it feels more mature than which you know, fuck, it's a couple of years later, so I guess it ought to. Um, so I thought that this was a much more confident album, and part of that might be my own colored perception of metalcore but this did strike me as a more adult and confident album david um i was pondering how old he was because again weren't he only like 22 yeah i yeah, didn't really, realize how young they were i was just digesting that uh i like this actually this is probably my favorite one of these four maybe maybe because it's very sort of metallica-esque um you know it starts strong the pacing's good I, I like that it's a little less metalcore. That's probably why I like it. And I also am more tolerant of prog than I used to be because of Tracy. I blame Tracy for a lot of things. Yeah, if I were just going to pop in like, oh, I should listen to some Trivium, this is probably the album I would pull up of these four. 
there may be an undiscovered jam I've not gotten to in the rest of their catalog, but um, this was my favorite one. This is probably the Ascendancy Kinda and the Ascendance goes to those albums, but for me, Shogun, this album has always been much more in my mind I listen to from start to finish than it has been a I'm gonna pull tracks off of it and listen to album. Um, it's just I feel like this album goes really well together from start to finish and every track just kind of builds upon each other. And again, re-listened to it for the first time in years from start to finish. I realized that this album, it hit me, they, they also felt like they went more power metal on this album. And since they were like, hey, we're going to Greek Odyssey and let's, we're going to journey and travel in this one and kind of get that idea to hear like looking at the even song titles, you kind of get to feeling like, okay, are we chasing the Argonauts here? Are we Hercules? I mean, you get a very much feeling that you're listening to the Iliad in almost a musical form. They were almost channeling Iron Maiden in the way that Iron Maiden uses um, yep. references to literature. Not it's as well. Between Scylla and Charybdis. Yeah. yeah. When you get when you go full Odyssey <laughs> of Prometheus and the Crucifix. Yeah. Yep. Like Callisto to a star in heaven. That's it. <laughs> Which yeah, is so out of place. More, yeah. W- yeah, well, I was gonna say, still out of place with like the album cover and the so you know the title track Shogun, which I like quite a bit. But it's like let's have all this you know Japanese imagery and title, and then sing a bunch of Greek mythology stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I don't, I, Matthew Hathi's half Japanese descent. Okay, I think his dad was in the military and met his mom overseas. Correct. So I guess that's part of it. Could be. It's as good a reason as any. Better than yeah. most. <laughs> he said. He said in interviews. He was yes. That's a thing. It is a thing. But it's not actually explored that much on this album. No, it's like the opening track and the closing track, and that's it. I feel like in this album, also like, and you said this is Travis Smith's last album, and I, I feel like they're we're all working in such unison. Like this album, they all the band seems like they're on the page together. Like you get this, and I feel like after this album, it just kind of like fizzles like they just can't do it together anymore and so but i feel like this is where they all play at their best which i just went back and double checked and he was despite the fact that i just read it like 15 minutes ago uh, he was on ascendancy as well um yeah i would say that that probably is them at their best musically as a unit because they had been playing together for so long at that point so i think that's a really fair assessment and like i said i mean it's not that ascendancy and i haven't listened to their their first album or the demo album in tracy world but I think the playing is better on Shogun than it was on Ascendancy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Songs are a tiny bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more prog, a little less metalcore. It's good. Yeah, they did pull back on that. And like my reservations just go around with students like, oh, fuck, from Ascendancy that disappeared in the metalcore aspects of it. Like now, I think I'd still like this album if I was hearing it for the first time today, as opposed to Ascendancy, where it'd be kind of more. Um, tracks. Uh, I like the opening track and Torn Between Skilla and Charybdis. Uh, three and four are okay, and then I really like Throws of Perdition and Insurrection, and then I liked, towards the end, Prometheus and the Crucifix and, like, Callisto to a star in heaven. So I sort of would, like, two on, two off, two on, two off. Um, but the whole thing's quite listenable. Those are, those are my favorite ones. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. I think that this is probably the album with the... Um, highest floor and that i think all of these tracks are listenable nothing nothing really jumped out at me here that i would add to a playlist necessarily but i did like torn between scylla and charybdis um in the mouth of hell we march throws a perdition uh the title track shogun is good despite the fact that it's damn near 12 minutes long you know so it's just a really professionally well done solid album all the way through I really like all the songs, but on this listen through, I realized for me that Kiristu Goman and Tour Between Sila and Chiridis, that I don't feel like the album really kicks into gear until it hits Down From The Sky. Like, I feel like once it hits that for the rest of the album, it really carries on throughout the whole thing. And and granted, Down From The Sky was the lead single off this album. And so it was my first person. So I've had the most time spent with of these off here. Okay, maybe it wasn't, according to Wikipedia. But the first one I heard was Down From the Sky. And that one really stuck with me for the whole time. But 
I really like them all. In fact, Show It is probably my favorite song by them of all time. And it's, I think that's just a fantastic song overall. And time between this song and another song on a later album that I feel like if you want to hear the what is Trivium in a single song format, you'd pick this one or the later song, which I'll point that one out when we get to it. Sounds good, my friend. Which takes us to In Waves, the fifth studio album or fourth by Tracy Math. Uh, by the band released on August 2nd of 2011, produced by Colin Richardson and Martin Ginge Ford for Roadrunner Records. It is worth noting that they had taken three years off between this last album and this one. The band at the time of recording was Matt Heafy, lead vocals and guitar, Corey Bellalou, guitarist, backing vocals and gang vocals, Paolo Grigoletto, bass, backing vocals and gang vocals, and Nick Augusto, the new drummer and percussionist. Again, no guest musicians or vocalists on this album. So this one, kind of, when I first heard it, like I knew it was coming out, was excited for it, waiting for it, and I was stuck in the middle of Kentucky for my two-week drill AT for reserves and had no access to it. And I'd just gotten the month prior a uh, an actual touchscreen phone. The first, I think it was an iPhone 3, my first ever smartphone. And so when it came out and I started carrying headphones at this point, everywhere I went, I found somebody on YouTube that uploaded all the songs. And so I was able to create a playlist of this album off there. And so this album's kind of like I was finding ways to steal this album before I could actually get home to steal it for real. What did y'all think? Well, I feel it was a bold move to open and close with an instrumental. <laughs> um, this to me was, they brought back the metalcore elements some on this and I did not really care for it. Um, they still, you know, they're still really damn fine musicians and they played the hell out of this. Actually, the instrumentals are pretty yeah. damn good, um, honestly. I do think that this album... Um, from a conceptual standpoint, it's more cohesive. Um, it feels like the songs go together better, but yet I didn't like it as much as the last album. Uh, yeah, the return of the metalcore elements uh, was disappointing as they were stating it, but I was like, oh, okay, we've stepped a little bit away from the more thrashy sound. The playing of their instruments, though, they're so good by this point. Yeah. So even though... I, I don't like it quite as much as Shogun in terms of stylistically, but uh, it's they're, they can play their asses off. So it's a very listenable album. Well, it wouldn't be my go-to on like Shogun, but uh, I, you know, I appreciate it. And it still has some fry vocals on like the album after it, where I guess a blowout occurred. Uh, there's Vengeance Falls and then Silence of Snow, which is the pure clean singing one. And he blew his vocals out in Vengeance Falls. Left hearing for it. Yeah, I think it's interesting and. In some ways, I don't know what to make of it because they've taken a step backward, but I got a sense, at least from some of the stuff I've read, that that was in reaction to the fans wanting them to to bring the metalcore back. Sure, I'm sure. And so that always puts me in a weird spot because I've been one of those guys who's somewhat kind of bitched at times when bands have deviated from what I liked of, of their sound. But usually those bands don't take a step back. Or when they do, on the few occasions when they do, they can't re you know, bottle the genie. And uh, that's kind of how I feel with them. I feel like they've added the metal core, but they're not a metal core band anymore. Like they were on ascendancy and the progress that they were making by tying that metal core weight back to them really slowed them down. In my opinion. Yeah. I don't think this album is, I don't like it as much as either the one that went in a more metal direction before it, or the one we reviewed after it which if anything went even deeper in the maybe conceptual direction. I don't know, sorry to be already talking about sin in the sentence, but it's very different from this album and separated by six years, which in trivium time is an eternity. It's like 12 drummers. <laughs> like, I know, I remember reading an interview one point in time when they now say change drummers, like try some at Travis Smith. And I think he just, he didn't sure could do some shows and they had a guy fill in for him. And like they'd said, like they'd kind of previously had, kind of issues i think in the drones aspect of it of like they just didn't quite feel like they had been weren't clicking and when they picked and brought in nick they're like oh shit this actually sounds like something we should be doing like they they felt like they re-clicked again and were ready to go for that 
I mean, I don't know about all that, but I have to say that it didn't sound like they changed drummers to me. I didn't really notice an appreciable difference in the drum sound. And that's probably just because I don't have enough um, trigger time on Trivium, unlike mm -hmm. the other bands that we talked about where they, they changed the drummers. Uh, I'm looking at you, Slayer. But, yeah, I mean, the dude's obviously a really good player to be able to fit in with them and play what they'd already recorded. And then the stuff on this also has really good drums. But it's not like he's... Um, having to play Mashuga or something like that either. Yeah. Did you guys check out the uh, the specials on the, the special edition tracks on this album? Yeah, I had the one with eighteen tracks, which has made it a long album. I love the cover at the end, though. The Slave New World. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that down and listen to it because when I saw that that was the one of the bonus tracks, I was like, oh man. Well, part of the reason I picked this album album was for one of the special tracks on there, and I think. I told you guys to listen to it, is the Shattered in the Skies Above. Yeah. That one was an aspect, was a uh, release in connection to God of War 3 coming out. And so, of course, being a video gamer and stuff, I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, damn. And I really enjoyed that song. And that one's probably a constant go-to for me as well. Shattered in the Skies Above. This album, it's always been like, this is probably the first time I think I've listened to this album in full since sometime mid to 2015. Probably, and then I was like, eh, it's just not quite connecting like the other albums we talked about. But when I came back and listened to it, one, I realized how much I actually listened to this album when it came out on release because I knew everything from this thing from start to finish, all the beats, and didn't ever miss a minute of it. And so it's kind of like, okay, unless I really listened to this album. And also, I realized that it was a lot better in my than I had previously conceived it to be. So I was happy for that aspect of it in fact i when i was the two albums i couldn't really decide like i knew when i was going to decide this i knew it was going to have ascendancy shogun and descendants on here but i didn't know if i was going to do in ways it just falls or the new one and so I, after hearing the new one a second time i was like i'm gonna go with in ways because i'm spoilers not a big fan of the new one all right well then let's move on to the last album that we're reviewing tonight. oh did we not talk about tracks i'm sorry we did not <laughs> My well, bad. That shows how Ben feels about him. <laughs> ben hates it. Well, I liked In Waves, Inception of the End, Watch the World Burn. I love that song. Black and A Skyline Severance. So that sort of first, I don't know, what is that? Half, which, over half the album. That which song. one? Well, it's almost really side A because Snare the Song is an instrumental that kind of starts like a second part of the yeah, album. For so, yeah. So, yeah, I like side A a lot on this album. Side B, meh, it was all right. But what really would kick me in is when I would hear Slave New World. I was like, fuck yes, when that song would come on. I like my Sepultura. What can I say? Well, let's say I sent us a bonus track that was not on the one that I listened to. Because I did not listen to the special edition. I have failed you, Tracy. Um, so for the standard edition that I listened to in Waves, it's a pretty good uh, top track. I like both of the instrumentals, Capsizing the Sea and Leaving the World Behind. Chaos Reigns is pretty good. Caustic are the ties that bind. Black, watch the world burn. Again, I like them all, but in ways, inception of the end, um, Caustic are ties that bind. And all of, all of these yesterdays has always kind of had like a special place for me. When I first heard it, I was like, oh, wow, this album song's different and a little neat. Eh. And then, of course, Shattering the Skies Above on the special edition version of it. That, But uh, Caustic are the ties that bind are the is the other song I talk about. If you really want to show Trivium in a song, like this encapsulates Trivium from start to finish. I feel like that would be another song to pick for. So now, pardon me for jumping the gun. We go to Sin in the Sentence, the eighth studio album, album even, released on October 20th of 2017, produced by Josh Wilbur, still with Roadrunner Records, um, which was their new album on Roadrunner as well. I feel like it was. I didn't check that out when I listened to it. I believe it was. I'm going to check, though. Okay. I think they're one of Roadrunner's only surviving acts that they haven't dumped or slaughtered. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just an, a, an amazing uh, label support from Roadrunner for them. So that and no one else. I read a horrifying article <laughs> about how terrible they are as a label. If well, that's, you're not trivium. that's entirely <laughs> possible. Any band? Uh, um, they get their fifth drummer on this album, Alex Bent, formerly a Battlecross, whom I, at parenthetically, I really love. Recorded in hybrid studios in California, 57 minutes, 18 seconds. The band is the same other than 
having Alex Ben come in on drums. They had Too Late the Hero at Gang Vocals and Josh Wilbur, John Paul Douglas, Thomas Oliviera, Mike Miller, Josh Brooks, Gerardo Carrera, Jonathan Carrion, Kevin Martinkowski, Daniel Rodriguez, Brandon Diaz, Elijah Rojas also did Gang Vocals. So a lot of Gang Vocals. So this was my second favorite of these four, actually. Um, partially because of, believe it or not, Paradise Lost a little bit. Because I think there's a little of that in here in terms of, uh, you know, there's still a, sort of an emotional clean singing thing going on, but it isn't quite metalcore. It's a little bit more sort of, I don't know. It, it reminded me a little bit of some of the Paradise Lost we listened to. Uh, and so it, I, I think it was prettier than the other Trivium albums. Which maybe some was horrifying to true believers. I'm not a true believer, so as an alien, I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. Like I thought this well, very listenable. You find that I find it funny, but when this album came out, I saw their release new album, and I had actually was excited for sending this Silence and Snow, and then I listened to the album. I was like, fuck. This so one? no, the Silence and the Snow, the one, yeah. the, the one prior to this one was like, grumble, grumble. I listened to it a couple times, like, okay, I think I have like two songs to listen off the album, and I don't touch it. Um, so when I saw their release new album, I'm like, okay, and I didn't listen to any tracks, videos coming out, and then I saw it was released in like, Mm, do I want to? Do I want to get burned by him again? I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And then the intro of the send to sentence, and I was like, fuck yes. It's not that. And I've been hooked on this album since release. I think oh, it brought I back true the 2021 you don't like. I, was, I thought you didn't like this one. No, it's the 2021. That's the one where I and got it. I feel like his voice sounds a lot like fucking Corey Taylor in the 2021. I could see that. And I don't know, it just kind of, there's some songs in it that hit, that kind of click, and some are like, mm, no. I mean, but I like there are people in the world to sound like than Corey Taylor. True, but, you know, hearing Matt Havy's voice, like, I mean, even from this sentence to the new album, I feel like his voice changed drastically comparatively to, you know, from, even from a sentence on, like, at least in those, when he, his clean singing had some, like, you know, had its distinct sound, and then it gets to the, the where dead men lie or whatever, and it's just like, hmm, that's not quite right. Well, I mean, if he's blowing out his voice twice, the fact that he's able to sing it all is, is yeah, kind of amazing. No kidding. Shit, dude. He actually posted a video after Vengeance Falls, after he had surgery to get his voice fixed. Like, they had a scope in his throat to see how it is while he sung one of the singles off of it. If you want to go watch that, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, I'll pass. Thank you. But That's a level of detail and intimacy that I don't necessarily need with Trivium. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. I Again, they kind of ditch the middlecore stuff. A lot of queen singing, although thrown into the fire, they do some throat mangling stuff, um, which is the closing track. So I enjoyed this one better than I did the last one, for sure. Um, again, uh, the, the thing I've said about all of them, musicianship-wise, this is a banger of an album. These guys can fucking play their asses off. Still, they've only gotten better. The this album was probably the one of the four that I would spend the most time with if I wasn't on assignment, having to listen to them. Mm, interesting. I get it. And I say this is probably their best produced album overall. I think. I do think it's a little better, like production value wise, than Shogun. Uh, you know, I had, I didn't really, and I have called myself a production whore, but I really didn't notice any difference in the production from album to album, mainly because I thought the production was competent on all of them. It's just, and partially because even though, like David said, they're not changing musical styles from album to album as much as Paradise Lost is, there's enough variance in their sound, plus they're changing drummers and stuff like that, that. You know, I wasn't sure what was a difference in somebody in the producer's chair and what the internal dynamics of the band had changed. I mean, sometimes you end up with Danzig Five. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a radical turn. Yeah. I mean, and also for a band that's going on 16, 17 years in existence, they've really had since major label release only replaced one person, I think. And that's been the drummer, which I guess is. The rest of the band is stuck together, so I think that's kind yeah, of no, their cap as well. It's still the same band, other than the drummer, but they've changed their drummer quite a few times. And yeah, I mean they they formed in '99, so they've been at this for 21 years. Stretch. 
but I feel like this album was a return to form for the previous ones and really restored my faith in them, I guess you could say. Or I've always said that Proven does this thing where they release a really good album and an eh, album, a really good album and an eh, album. Like they kind of alternate back and forth on stylistic I mean, style. And it's like, so I was like, the new album's like, okay, I figure they're due for their equivalent, quote unquote, dud. So I guess their new album's going to be fucking banger. Yeah, I know some reviewers um such as metal hammer said that this was like the culmination of their sound that took the best of all the previous incarnations and sounds of the band i don't know that i would go that far even though i did say that this is the one that i would probably spend the most time with um but it is pretty damn good until we did this i've spent a lot of time like if you would ask me a month ago to rank them i would probably rank this second now i don't know for sure where i would put it well you're gonna to have to decide my friend because we're about to grade these bastards here in a little bit I so know. we are about to grade them we so. still have <laughs> tracks for this mofo we do so you got some time uh, we'll, we'll, we'll you got some time to some put time. it in order i liked six out of 11 of these so a pretty high ratio actually i like beyond oblivion that second track heart you hate betrayer is really good wretchedness inside beauty and the sorrow and i love the revanches that song's awesome uh, the Revanches might be my favorite song by the Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it is really, really good. Um, I thought Thrown Into the Fire was a pretty good closer. Um, hurt by coming after the Revanches. They probably should have closed the album out with that, as good of a I song as that was. Um, the Heart you, yeah, the, yeah. from Your Hate, I like that one too. Betrayer. Um, Sin in the Sentence. Um, for a title track, I think it's a little weak. But, you know, that is what it is. But again, all really solid songs you know you guys hadn't mentioned it, i started thinking about it and it's like wow i really dig all of their title tracks off all their albums like from their first album to the at least their sentence sense i haven't spent enough time with the other one to be like oh do i really like this or not but for me i really like all the songs on this album as well with i love the opener for the sentence sentence because i guess that the drum at the beginning of it just kind of signaled, hey, we're doing something different now, or we're, we're kind of going back to our roots. We're not doing a The Silence of Snow Part 2, which I think was my word going into it. Uh, the Revanchist is great. Uh, the Heart You Hate, Beyond Oblivion, Sever the Hand. So tracks 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, the time is nigh, Tracy. It is time for us to grade these. I'm ready. As am I. So let's jump back to I'm not ready. <laughs> you got to be. Yeah. You've known this was coming for a while because you picked it. I know. Yeah, you had to have this in mind. Um, the ascendancy. We can let you go last, though. Yeah, uh, you can go last. <laughs> I'm ready. I am, too. Are we That's... just ranking them one at a time or all three? One at a time. Yeah. Wait, 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 person or album? With two albums. Album. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I would give Ascendancy a C. I think that there are, for one thing, I'm just not super into the metalcore sound. I think there are some good tracks on there, but a lot of it is just kind of filler, in my opinion. So even though there, if I had bought it at the time, uh, honestly, if I bought, I wouldn't have bought it at the time. I'm not going to, to lie um, because that, there just wasn't enough on there that I for the sound that I would like. Looking back on it now, though, I do think that it's a, a pretty solid thing, but it's definitely something that I would just pull a track or two off of, and I, I don't really have any desire to go back and listen to it as an album again. Yeah, I wouldn't have bought this at the time either. I mean, I did hear a little of it and didn't buy it at the time. Um, I like it more now, though, so uh, I'm going to give it... Hmm, I'm a little torn. I'm going to give it between a B minus and a B, like an 83. So higher than Ben, um, but I'm sure lower than Tracy. <laughs> Maybe coming in between you two. So I'm going to give it a low B. But uh, there are some songs in here I would definitely listen to again, but it is weaker than some of the, definitely than some of the later stuff. For me, I'm going to give this album a minus. And I would say at least a letter grade of that's nostalgia weight behind it. For sure. And then you said an A minus. Yeah. Makes sense. Shogun. I'll lead off on this one. I'm just going to go ahead and say A plus. I'm going to give it a solid 
99. Uh, I'm going to give it an A minus because I have no emotional attachment to it at all, but it's very good. So that might go up if I listen to it a ton, but yeah, I'm, I'm giving it an A minus. Then it was my favorite of these four. It might be my favorite of the four. I would agree with that. I, though, again, there are some really strong songs on it. And the others are, are decent and listenable too, but it's also probably not something that I feel like you need to listen to as an album. So I'm going to give it a B. In Waves, who wants to start us off? Uh, I'll give that a B minus. That's pretty good. I mean, the playing is better than anything that came before it, but the slight slide back into metalcore, I'm not sure is entirely successful, but it's got some good songs on it. B minus. Um, yeah, that's my sentiments exactly. Uh, B minus. I think that the playing, uh, and again, you know, my grade should not reflect the musicianship of this band because I am solidly in the bag. It's the, the songs don't necessarily connect with me emotionally. And I do think that the metalcore brings it down from Shogun, the reintroduction of those elements. So B minus. I'm going to give it a B plus. You give it an 88, and which I think it's probably their weaker work of the four albums we are doing, but I still really enjoy it. And I've listened to way too much of it in my life. The Sin and the Sentence. Uh, give- I will give that one uh, a B plus. So I don't like it quite as much as Shogun, but it's very listenable. Uh, and I like a lot of the songs on it. B plus. I'm going to give it an A minus. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's probably like this and the sentence here, probably a 2A, 2B for me in their albums. And so I'm going to give it a solid 90. I'm going to give it 92. I think it's just slightly better than the sentence. And I think it's really a return to form of them, in my opinion, from their previous works. I'm going to give it a B. I think it is in the same ballpark as Shogun. Um, it definitely has my favorite song of the four albums that we've listened to, as previously stated with the Revanchist. There are elements of Shogun that even though they are probably more proficient musicians by the time they get to this, there's just something about the Shogun album as a whole that really puts it on par with this, even though, like I said, I would, because it has my favorite song on it, I would spend more time with this album. All right, all right. Is that not the slaughter you feared it was going to be? It's going to be Manson, D-minus. No, I didn't think it'd be Dean Manson, but I was hoping for a little bit better on some things. But mm. all right, Buck. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not... gonna tell the battery. Like, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite. I wasn't quite. You know, I can't believe you didn't give Molly pluses. What's wrong with you people? I didn't. I'm not quite like that. Yeah, that's not happening. Ben and I survived the metalcore wars of the early 2000s. For real. Like Fury Road. You don't know what we lost. People that are no longer with us. It takes a lot for me to come back to Metalcore now. So you just you take your B minuses through A minuses and like it. I am. I was afraid you guys were talking about it and like, oh god, they're gonna shit on Shogun. That that might have broke me. No, that album's good. <laughs> yeah. They're a good no. band. They just, you know, sometimes are emo. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> know, okay. they well, to me, what, what sums it up to me is Trivium is one of those bands that I would not go see as a headliner, but if they were like the co-headliner or the main supporting act, I would be very happy. Yeah, I bet they'd be good live. So the concert we were planning to go see in July until COVID hit? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because they weren't a headliner that was Megadeth on a guy, but they were the yeah. next band up. Yeah. Well, no, fantastic. That's a, that is wonderful news. COVID. Yeah. Another win in the COVID column. It is. Now, if things continue on track like projected now, if that fires it. I wonder if I've ever seen Trivium live. I don't think I have. Oh, so I want to bring this up before we close this out because I was looking into it. Ember and Infernal was released on Life Force Records when it was first released. And and it was also released prior to that. They self-released it, then Life Force heard it and then released it themselves. Okay. That's why I think it's a demo slash whatever, because they've also re-released it and remastered it a couple of times. Well, I mean... And everything else post that was released on Roadrunner. You're talking about Ember to Inferno? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. still an album, so... What I was saying it's not... Like, that's why my head can't, like, my ordering of the release comes from. Sure. 
And also for the longest time, it wasn't available. It's not, it's actually not even available on Spotify. They had to re-release it, I guess, because it's one of those albums that fall into a purgatory due to streaming and rights. Probably. Apple has it. They've got Abundento. Oh, what is that? Wait, that's before this? Okay. Spotify didn't have that. Yeah, because Apple's better. I'm just kidding. I don't. Sometimes it's the other way around. So. Yeah, they didn't have that in forever. I this told one. you what happened with iStarts. It appeared, it disappeared, it reappeared. Like literally within the span of weeks when I was supposed to be listening to it, it was moving from platform to platform. Yeah. Are you talking about the Blue Demo, Corellis? Mm-hmm. They came out the same year as Ember to Inferno, which was their actual demo. <laughs> no, I haven't even. I don't think I've ever heard of their actual Corellius. Maybe mispronouncing it. Anyway, it's known as the Blue Demo. That's all I know. And yeah. they probably took a lot of the songs off of it and put them onto Ember to Inferno. But I mean, you know, just because it wasn't on Roadrunner doesn't mean it's not a real record. It's a real boy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so. But yeah, no, I think that this is, I mean, not to give you guys a, a free ranking of an album that we're not talking about, but Tracy said he was slightly disappointed in the 2020 release, and I think it falls right in line with all the rest of them, personally. I just haven't, just haven't connected. Maybe I just haven't spun it 10,000 times. Like, oh, I love it now. Well, we also have a fairly disparate grade on these albums, so that could also be part of it. Yeah, like I, if I was to rank and include the albums but didn't include it, I would actually put Crusade in front of them waves. Because I, I don't get I enjoy that album. I don't care if they went straight, hey, we're just gonna do our best thrash slash new wave of British heavy metal impression. No, I actually quite like that album. Yeah, and they said in interviews the reason they didn't create scream on it is because like, we never really listened to screaming music. Why are we doing something we don't listen to ourselves? Yeah. Thanks for listening to us here yep. on the Church of Heavy Metal. We'll catch you next well, time. Guess what we're doing next time? I don't know. What are we doing next time? We are doing, I'm going to say David's second favorite band of all time in Clutch. Oh, yeah, we are. So, yeah, I have seen them live. Clutch, too. They did a tour with Five Finger Death Punch, Kill Switch Engage, Trivium, and Battlecross. Poppy. Yeah, that's like all the most 2000s ish. Metal Corey, like all them together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot. I, yeah, I went for that for my birthday one year. I think it was 2012. That's where my undying hatred for Five Finger Death Punch comes from. <laughs> well earned. I feel like it's a good hatred to have, though. Yeah, I mean, they're all right, I guess, if you are a certain kind of person. But yes, I'm super excited to do the Clutch Blast because I also love Clutch. And I've only heard Blast Heart and their album from 2018. So, well, you got lots of learning to do. Yeah, I guess do. I do. Yeah, you're about to get a lot of clutch. Hive Tyrant, <laughs> Robot Hive Exodus, Earth Rocker, and Psychic Warfare. I was surprised you're not doing Blast Tyrant because everybody always says that's their best. <clears throat> oh, that's what I put. Hive Tyrant is a typo because of Robot yes. Hive Exodus. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is Blast Tyrant. It's the monster of the Tyranids coming for us. I was yeah. about to start no, looking for Hive Tyrant, but where the fuck's this at? <laughs> yeah, that I sort of hybridized it. I created a hybrid in my mind. Game type shit. Well, Hive Tyrant. Some Ooh, fucking tier yeah. in Warhammer 40k type shit happened there. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Anyway, it's fixed now, so everything's great. Indeed. Yeah, it's Blast Tyrant, Robot Hive, Exodus, Earth Rocker, and Psych War. You better believe me, sucker. X-Ray Vision. That's the one. Yes. I got so, Man Wars in the future. I'm looking at the class list. Our Destiny approach. I, I don't know. I'm still having <laughs> sold on that one. I made just like, eh. It's a lot of Man War. I'm not going to lie. Is. Four albums. Like, Man War is so much. Man. I've never Oh, Man War. I don't know if I quite want to, like, I've heard Man War, but I don't know if I really, really want to dive into them straight you off the bat. You need to turn in your loincloth if you are unwilling to make that journey. <laughs> I don't think I have a long cloth to turn in. <laughs> that, so that's why we can't do it. <laughs> I was looking on Spotify. Mm-hmm. What is Monsters, Machines, and Mythological Beasts by Clutch? Oh, that was just an excuse to make more money. Where any song on any album about monsters or robots or monsters, they put on an album. I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. It's part of my Halloween playlist. Yeah, because they have a lot of songs about fucking monsters. They do have a lot of songs about monsters. Greek or werewolves or whatever. Anyway, it was it's just a monster compilation. Okay, I was like, did it release a new album? No. No. Not yet. I would have talked to you about it incessantly. 
allegedly next year. Yeah, well, I'm sure that is, it'll, it'll come pretty quickly. Uh, what was the uh, the side band that is just them playing blues without any vocals? Fuck. Uh, the Bakerton group thing? Yeah, or, I think that's it. Yep. That's the one that's released on Blast Heart, isn't it? The... And then he was in the, he's in the company band. The company band. That might be what I'm talking about. But that has singing. That's well, the so... one that has the Wurlitzer on it. Or the band that has the Wurlitzer in it. God damn it. I'm going to have to look it up now. Yeah. So, question for you guys. Yes. Looking at Blast Heart, do we listen to Basket of Eggs as well? Oh, I'm I'm happy. Whatever you want, I'm happy to. I you, I listen to those songs. You're the uh I mean, yeah, you you're the well. guide on this flash on this clutch journey. Yeah, so. I mean listen to pick I, I always go for the more songs. You can always fast forward through them if it's, it's too much. It is the Bakerton group. It's Baker. I thought so. Um yeah, get the big version. Because like Cattle Car is fucking I love that song. Alrighty, so we'll be doing blast next week, folks. Well, not next week, but next uh, time. Next, next time, time. I will. Yeah. <laughs> on Thunderdome Metal Reviews.